when you look at at what Mueller was doing, he farmed out 14 big cases, right, to various uh, jurisdictions around the country. And one by one, Barr has gone through these and stopped them or removed them. So you've got a situation now that Barr is sort of whitewashing a really big part of American history and a really big crime against the American Constitution. And it's really, really obvious that he's doing it. And then the next thing we know, on December 28th, Obama introduces new sanctions against Russia. Russia interfering in democracies in the West is not new to the point of it's 100 years old. Mm -hmm. uh, they've been, you know, A-B testing and, and, and deploying techniques and technologies, f you know, since the Russian Revolution to some degree uh, on their Western uh, adversaries. So this was not new, but what was new and every level of the intelligence community has concluded this was the, the, the scale, the scope, the breadth, the, and the naked aggression of Russia and its constituent partners um, in this effort, uh, which looks like it includes at least Israel as well. Um, you know, the, the, nobody's attacked our democracies this hard with propaganda and paid agents mm. ever before. They, they have had these things in place before and maybe had demonstrable effects, but never so brazenly uh, and so intensely. Uh, I know many analysts that conclude that once uh, Obama and Robert S. Mueller III declared war on transnational organized crime, starting with the Russian Vorizakone, uh, Russian Red Mafia, and all its partners around the world, and started shutting its banking down, especially when they started shutting it down hard with the Magnitsky Act in 2013, that you have this lunge for the throat by Russia and some other people that that are partnered with Russia, spreading that laundered, you know, crime money around and uh, that can, you know, involve several nation states, but that things got very desperate. And if you look by 2014, Putin is taking increasingly uh, risky, intense moves geopolitically, um, even though economically and militarily, they might not be in a place to do this. They're, they were, it's very Russian for them to test out Barack Obama, who had pretty much tried to have some form of a reset uh, and get the economy under control and, and whatnot. But in 2014, they, you know, they invade part of uh, Ukraine and take Crimea and uh, are shooting planes out of the sky. And then 2015, we get Donald Trump, who is in some form of debt uh, to the Russians and others uh, running for president. And then they put their full weight in. That gets us to November 8th. Everyone's surprised. And uh, I knew from my sources that a lot of a lot of interference was deployed on the day of the election, and right around there, we just got things were unveiled that nobody expected in anybody to be that brazen, and and probably even the people behind it didn't expect it to work. They didn't expect mm -hmm. Trump to be president, but well, surprise, he won, and that caused the intelligence community to to leap forward and and. and trying to analyze as much as possible and they would have by the by late december they they knew a lot of okay you guys did this these guys did this and they're and of course you're going to have multiple fbi investigations criminal counterintelligence multiple agencies tracking all sorts of players but you know for whether they like it or not that means that the incoming trump administration 
had a lot of eyes on them from a lot of countries. Um, and then, you know, Mike Flynn crosses the line around Christmas when Obama gets enough information. All right, we need to smack these guys back. We need to show our doctrine for national security. Mm. You attacked us and we're going to start here with um, making persona non grata a, a great number of your dim, uh, diplomats, parentheses, spies, mm -hmm. closing down two of your, your houses, uh, spy uh, centrals, mm -hmm. um, uh, spy, uh, spy headquarters. Compounds, yeah. Those are, yeah, dachas, if you will. Uh, <laughs> you know, we're taking those and your 35 guys are PNG. Sorry, going to just revert to, to the slang. Yeah. And, and, you know, normally there will be some form of response in that. And that was done to to show an adversary, you're going to pay for this kind of behavior. So let's start here. And this is where Flynn crossed a major line. He called the Russian ambassador and said, don't worry about that. Don't respond. Yes. We'll Mod moderate, you. moderate your response to those sanctions is what he was requesting um, of Kislev to pass on to Putin. And Putin was moderate. He didn't do anything. He didn't respond. Next and day, then Trump, before yeah. he's even president, is tweeting saying, oh, he's very smart, that Putin. I like the cut of his jib. Yeah. Uh, just like nobody ever does. A great and move on the delay by V. Putin was the tweet. I've always knew he was very smart. Yeah. So they Very go. smart. I mean, there's nothing possible. I mean, it's so undercutting of, of, um, of the current American foreign policy and just the foreign policy for the last 40 or 50 or 70 years that it's kind of astonishing that uh, the incoming president would be so brazen in attacking the outgoing president uh, policy as he was as he was implementing it, uh, and really tells you the kind of strength I believe that Russia and its allies, Saudi Arabia and uh, UAE, Israel, were, were implementing. They felt so strong at this point; they felt like they had enough of a position to do what they were doing, even to ask their the, the incoming administration and their officials to commit a crime. Yeah, I think so. It doesn't mean it was the smartest uh, move oh, no. they ever made. Um, but at the time, maybe it seemed like something they could get away with. Uh, and this is an another test. Like, well, let's see if uh, their deep state, if you will, will respond to this. Mm -hmm. Let's see if the national security infrastructure will, uh, you know, arrest Flynn earlier. You know, this mm -hmm. is a brand new world. They're going to have one of their agents in the see. White House. Mm. This may have been a test by them to sort of to, to test the boundaries to see how much they can work with uh, the intelligence community and how much they have to play with uh, in terms of the uh, FBI. I think they I think uh, I think everybody involved on our let's call it our side, their side, any side. I, you know, I know for myself, I, I got about one hour of sleep per night for about a month. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, mm -hmm. I was, you know, I was, uh, what do you know? What do you know? What do you know? What's going on? I'm pretty sure they were doing the same thing. And if you, you look at some of the declassified um, transcripts, you know, I'm seeing that, uh, you know, my colleagues in the skiffs, uh, you know, in the deep, uh, you know, dungeons of intelligence, uh, you know, they were doing the same thing. Like what's going on, what's going on. Mm. And no, no, we were in brand new territory. And so it's very typical of Russia to try to, to make a very aggressive move and see what you do. And they're, they're, uh, almost, uh, like I, I don't want this to be too derogatory though. I'm not too happy with them, but they're like dogs in this manner. It's like, they're looking to be the alpha and they're going to make a, they're going to put their paw on yours mm. and see if, are you gonna are you gonna flinch are you, are you going to make uh you know are you gonna respond 
or are we going to make another move and see if you respond then? That's uh, That tends to be their stock in trade diplomatically and certainly in terms of intelligence operations. And so they're just like, my God, they're letting us get away with this. Mm-hmm. Now, long term, does that work out really well for them? Well, history's not written yet on that. But yeah, I mean, it's interesting because Obama didn't react, you know, as you know, no drama Obama, as he was known for a re- good reason. He didn't. He was not known to react. Well, public, privately, he was known to have a bit of a temper, but publicly, he would not uh, sort of have these outbursts against uh, provocation that Putin must have expected from him when he when he first did this. So, um, in some ways. Obama didn't do very much. You could actually argue from a conservative right-wing hawkish perspective that Obama was really weak. Uh, he wasn't, but you could argue that. In fact, they're arguing the exact opposite, that he was eavesdropping on the incoming administra- administration and, and entrapping them. Nothing could be further from the truth than that. Um, you know, there was just normal FBI investigation going on and typical surveillance. Um, look, you you have the right to privacy as an American citizen. The second you get a security clearance and work in national security, even after you retire, you have a lot less right to it. And it, once you join a presidential administration, uh, you can kiss it for the most part goodbye. But let's just take it as a take you as a regular citizen in the United States. Mm-hmm. You do have the right to privacy. You do not have the right to form conspiracies with hostile foreign intelligence services. Right. That's not one of your guaranteed constitutional rights. And trying to exercise it is a good way to get yourself on some form of FBI surveillance. Um, and, you know, sorry, uh, you know, and it's insane to me that w- there are people trying to sell this to cover up for the fact that essentially there were a bunch of traders here who were selling out their country. Right. And they Just must have the, known. I mean, how can someone like Flynn, or as you were saying earlier, anybody of these people have not known they were under surveillance? It seems kind of bizarre that they wouldn't think they were under surveillance. Well, especially when you when you learn that the, the, the Flynn made this phone call to Sergei Kislyak from the Dominican Republic. Oh, yes, that's right. He then goes off to Punta Cana, right? Which is why, why at that point you're about to become a major, um, you know, figure in the government. Why are you going to Punta Cana in the first place? What's into the Dominican Republic that he needs to go be there on New Year's Eve of twenty of twenty sixteen into twenty seventeen? Sorry, that's uh, seems an unusual place to go. Um, great place at. The, you know, at the time, if you wanted to traffic a lot of cocaine, like the Peralta organization that was uh, subsequently indicted, a uh, uh, good place for coke traffickers. Um, you know, uh, if you're into military juntas, uh, there's been reason to go there over the decades. But um, I remind everyone that even though he was DIA head, um, I believe Mike Flynn's first um, first assignments in the uh, his first duties in 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 the U.S. Army was doing signals intelligence. Mm-hmm. So anybody who's the head of an intelligence agency understands that if you're using consumer-grade electronics, uh, even things that you assume to be encrypted to some degree or another, you have to assume that there are players out there that can pick them up. Uh, mm-hmm. But certainly anyone anyone serious in Intel uh, knows that if you're using your own cell phone, it, even in a country like the United States where you have constitutional protections, whereas in France, Good luck. You don't. Uh, you, they will intercept whatever they want, and if they think it's useful for national security, they'll listen to it, use it, whatever. But it, it, you know, even then, you—if you're in the intelligence world—you know, if you're talking to the Russian ambassador on a phone, 
that is being recorded by someone or lots of someone. It should be. And if, yeah. and if you're in the Dominican Republic that is not NATO, that is not a Five Eyes Intelligence Alliance nation, you're talking about Nigerian intelligence getting a copy. You're, you know, B Belizean intelligence, you know, whoever. Uh, you're not being careful at all. And the There's fact that you're there... Uh, hang out while you're waiting to be head of the National Security Council. I mean, there's just so many things wrong on so many levels. It's I, I really would like to know who he was seeing there. I mean, what you know, there must have been someone to have to have gone all the way there. There must have been someone he was meeting with. Um, they certainly like these island destinations to go off and do their their secret meetings, or they seem to have during that period. It would seem amazing to me if he was just going there on a typical vacation, but who knows? Maybe he was. Um, so let's take a look at uh, the January time period. So now we get to January 12th, and uh, Washington Post reveals that Flynn and Kozliak had that call, and they reveal what happened there. And then on January 15th, Pence is on TV, and he denies that Flynn spoke to him. So this is the core of, uh, of that conversation. We had basically the reason why Flynn was, fly, was fired was because he lied to, to Pence about his conversations with Kisdak. That's the, the brunt of, the, uh, of why uh, Trump decided to, get, to fire Flynn. That's correct, right? That's their story. That's right. So, uh, you know, Pence, who was apparently picked by Paul Manafort, who is a straight up agent for the Russian Federation uh, and the Russian mob, picks out Pence. And, you know, they have transition emails from that period of time where I believe it's Katie McFarland says, with regards to those sanctions, well, the only reason that Obama's putting those sanctions on Russia is because Russia gave us the win in the election. Um, and if you have, you know, very little in terms of privacy, you know, once you're on incoming into an administration to begin with, they were using transition emails uh, that provided to them by the General Services Administration. Those, that's the government agency in charge of physical infrastructure, everything down to coffee creamer and 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 stapler and staplers and stuff like that. Uh, they set them up their temporary offices, so they're already part of the government. And they're like, yeah, Russia gave us the win. And when Mueller wanted to pick that information up to find out what they were talking about during the transition. He didn't need a subpoena. Our taxpayer dollars already bought that. Hmm. So he just picked up the phone and said, hey, can you send me those? And whoop, right over to Bob Mueller's office. Oh, that's and and they had December 2017. I mean, I was, I, I, I was in Manhattan, oddly enough. And I remember uh, checking my phone and just being dumb and mutant, like leaning on a building, just, you're kidding me that these guys had, they were on, tippity tippity, on, on their government email, like, oh, yeah, the only way, the only reason they're being mean to those Russians is because they gave us the election. These are inside voices, kids. We do not, we do, if we, don't, we are conspiring yeah. with Russia, we do not say so out loud. Right. Well, it seems to be the, it seems to be the Trump MO, you know, just say whatever you did and expect it to go away just because you've said it out loud. Uh, indeed. And uh, sometimes that is just yet one more exhibit for the prosecutors at court. <laughs> right. So if he ever gets there. Now, let's. I want to show you a couple of things that I don't think people are very aware of. Firstly, there's a couple of meetings about that Flynn attended that happened sort of in another narrative, which was sort of the Seychelles-Israel-Iran uh, narrative. That don't really, that aren't really gelled into with this particular timeline, and I think it's something that mm -hmm. needs to be addressed. 
So there's two meetings. One happened in December. I'm not sure if this is the same one. I don't think it is the same one. It's MBZ flies into New York. He meets with Bannon Flynn and Jared Kushner. MBZ is uh, the uh, crown prince of the UAE. And he's there to discuss, you know, potentially uh, Iran and their, uh, their Iran strategy um, going forward. And that happens somewhere in December, right? Somewhere between in the first few weeks of December. So I'll put that other timeline back up in a second and we'll see where it fits in. And then in, in January, which is the time period we're now talking about, uh, George Nader, who's potentially also uh, an Israeli asset, but he's definitely working for the U UAE and Saudi Arabia. He is in New York City and he meets with Flynn Bannon Zamel, the Israeli uh, social media guy, and Asari, um, who's a Saudi guy on Iran. That, you know, this is all happening while there is a giant conversation and investigation going on about whether, um, you know, Flynn is actually compromised by the Russians. Well, that is a hell of a timeline. People that they were we, they were working with, all the while not having made the regular diplomatic calls to our allies in order, uh, the United Kingdom, the special relationship, mm -hmm. Australia, our, our most reliable uh, military partner Canada our biggest trade partner and down the line they hadn't done that but they're hanging out with MBZ and uh, you know these kind of rogue Israeli elements uh, in New York and elsewhere and talking Iran policy uh, and it just happens to be folks that are involved with laundering a whole lot of Iranian money mm -hmm. um, yeah it's just really remarkable you know set of priorities between being elected kind of by accident and taking over the most important jobs of anybody's lifetime. They were really busy meeting with people that had a completely different um, plan for the future of the world. They really did. I mean, it looks to me like they basically were trying to de, uh, you know, sort of rearrange the world in the way they wanted to. And the way, you know, you've got a series of events there. If you look at them, it's all these world leaders sending their representatives to the Seychelles but having pre-meetings and post-meetings with actual things that came out of that Seychelles meeting. So even though Eric Prince initially described this, the Seychelles meeting as, you know, bumping into someone at a bar, uh, it was much, much more than that. It was the centerpiece of a series of events and series of meetings that took place, which involved changing the balance of power in the, in the world. They were talking about transferring United States nuclear technology mm -hmm. to the Middle East. They were, and, and let's just cut to the chase here. What mm -hmm. was going on here was there was a global conspiracy to change the, the geostrategic center of the world to Eurasia, mm -hmm. a partnership between Russia, China, the Gulf states, uh, Iran to a degree, and that, that they were going to throw off the chains of the United States and NATO and the post-World War II era, um, and and they were going to be in charge, gosh darn it. I think they were headed for the year 2020 was when they wanted the real shift in the United States. And again, just cut and paste, the story's got to come out at some point. Their plan was for a Hillary Clinton pre presidency to go extremely poorly for there yeah. to be violence on U.S. soil um, and to show that the American experiment had run its course. They, they, there was a nefarious plan here and people had a, they, it started, I think, about four years earlier, getting somebody like Trump in power and they didn't really have a, a plan for somebody who was so obviously 
diseased in so many ways, metaphorical and otherwise, uh, to take power. And, you know, I remember talking to people in, in, the, in those months and going, who is going to work with this guy mm. that knows anything? And then the answer came back, nobody. And nobody. so this is when you get Ben Carson, who, who came out and said, I do not belong in a cabinet position. And then two days later, he's taking a cabinet position. Mm. It was just so, you know, so strange, but it makes sense in retrospect that, you know, when people got wind of this, unless there was already compromising photos of you and farm animals somewhere, you were going to avoid these people. But there are some those there, there are some out there who couldn't and people cashed in their um, their chips uh, and, you know, with those assets. But this was in furtherance of a bigger scheme to take them to damage America and to make it no longer the leader of the world and to have these authoritarian regimes buttressed by technology and propaganda and fueled by um, by fossil fuel energy uh, economically and otherwise that they were going to run the world and we were not and I think they got the go-ahead a few years too early with people that did not really have the skills for it. So they just went for it. And they're like, okay, let's meet at Trump Tower mm -hmm. and see how it goes. Well, how it went was, look, when you know MBZ flies into the United States without checking in through the State Department, we still know where that plane's coming from. You mm -hmm. can't just you can't just sneak into our country as a as a dignitary and think we were not gonna know. <laughs> you know, but and yet they did this. Yeah. And you have these people that uh, I mean Again, going back to some of what I was saying at the beginning of the program about if you have a security clearance, you're you're worried about you know too much too many nights at the bingo hall, and you know uh, we went on vacation in Mexico. Oh, did I did I take some uh, margarita glasses as a gift? Mm -hmm. That is so far below what these guys are doing. Just openly meeting with hostile intelligence services that are under under investigation by a number of players it's just so reckless you I, my phrase i use is you can see it from space right this is not well hidden but from your perspective this is them just sort of gunning it because they were they were hoping to have another four more years they basically were making it up as they went along and at some point you've committed crimes that are so horrific that um you know your end is not going to be very good. Uh, I, I, you know, I think everybody in this drama right now who's been on the wrong side of history, they have to continue on with their treason or they will, you know, have, they will get the business end of somebody's um, nasty intelligence operative or get Russian window cancer or spend life in prison. So they're doing whatever they can now. Uh, and this is where I, I get a lot of Bill Barr's actions that I just interpret as flailing and just trying to, I mean, what's going on with Flynn it's like he's Christopher Reeve in Superman 2 trying to fly around the planet backwards mm -hmm. to unindict and uninvestigate Flynn and uh, file all this, you know, this complete insane garbage in the district of D.C. court, which is not a place to mess around. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't have the right to go through with the deal you made with this guy. It's like, no, you can't drop charges that were never brought. He signed, Flynn signed a contract with Judge to say yes don't don't charge me with treason and i will make life easy for you i will proffer what i know and i will do i mean he was looking at a you know a single 18 
US Code 1001 charge. That's a max of six months and a few bucks of fine. First time nonviolent offender, you're looking at a couple of weeks um, picking up garbage in minimum security mm -hmm. prison. You, you, I mean, frankly, you know, less unpleasant than spending all summer cooped inside, you know, due to COVID-19, you know, yeah. not, you know, you could, you could get on with your life after that. Um, and yet they're doing, they're moving heaven and earth to try and unindict him. And I think that's, there's a lot of people going, well, wait, isn't there a pardon coming? And you, you can look back at the FBI 302s uh, that were released a couple months back, which I went through page by page, 600 pages of them. Yeah. And you've got texts between Manafort and Rick Gates where they're saying, or where uh, Manafort's like, hold on, pardon's coming, D you know, Trump will take care of us, whereas, well, no, you're co-conspirators and you'll have to allocute to uh, your guilt. And if you're guilty for you know, treason then uh, in getting Trump elected, then he's guilty too. So that's not showing up. And there's all these people who once they start um, – once they start confessing and proffering so that they do not spend the rest of life in the penitentiary, um, that they will be giving away, it's like a chain reaction. And I think that's why William Barr is uh, doing things that no, no third year law student would consider, um, you know, one with a really bad crank habit and no sense at all uh, so would avoid this stuff. So what you're saying is that the pardons are not going to work in this case, ultimately, um, that there's too much, that he can't pardon a co-conspirator, is what I think you're saying. And there's all these other crimes that these guys allegedly committed. Not allegedly, because mm -hmm. they haven't been charged, but they, you know, there's there's the emails thing where they were trying to get these emails from various people. Someone died in, in Chicago, as, and they were hunting, so there could possibly be a, a murder or a manslaughter involved in there. Um, you've got the UN mm -hmm. resolution, which was the Logan, the Logan Act. It's just two off the top of my head. There's probably several other charges that are pending you can't just wipe them all clean what about no. mike what about mike flynn's son mm -hmm. yes I mean, he uh, was also under investigation and what happens to him because i think um, flynn was got you know flynn agreed to the deal because he didn't want his son prosecuted uh, that was the rumor, and um, you know the thing about conspiracy charges is that uh, the statute of limitation only kicks in once there has been a last act in furtherance of, the, of a conspiracy. And if the conspiracy is accessory to a crime after the fact, or conspiracy to defraud uh, the United States of America, if you keep doing that by obstructing justice, by you know spreading hostile russian propaganda you're still committing crimes and you know this is it's so funny they went out on this limb the uh you know certain media properties uh, and people trying to defend donald trump saying uh, you know that um you know mike flynn was unmasked and that this is this horrible thing first of all i just like to say i know for a fact i have been unmasked before i'm not going to go into to to why yeah. but that you know there are lots of different foreign operators you know floating around and uh, if you've ever been on the phone with one and something came up and you've probably been you know identified as oh okay who's that guy he's talking to? well you know it's it's not the end of the world if you're not conspiring to try and take over u.s foreign policy for dictators yeah. it's no big deal but on top, so these things happen all the time uh, when just an in, in intelligence or national security uh, executive of some form says, oh, 
I, I need this, uh, you know, I, I need this unmasked. Who, who are they talking to there? Because that mm -hmm. seems important. Um, like, for example, we know because uh, uh, Mr. Rick Grinnell, the uh, the the acting uh, with a heavy, heavy acting, doing a lot of work in this yeah. sense, the acting DNI, yeah. um, uh, you know, declassifying who got who got Flynn unmasked at that time, and they're like, okay, here's the list, and one of them is Samantha Power, who was UN ambassador, and it reasonable makes complete reasonable, reasonable yeah. request. Wait a minute, somebody's conspiring against me with three other countries well who is it yeah I and it know. turns out it's mike flynn yeah. and uh but that but that the call that was apparently leaked out was not from the unmasking which makes sense because leaking defense information is a very serious felony i don't think this is any less serious but when it was revealed no that came from a title three surveillance warrant a criminal mm. issue not counterintelligence that mike flynn was already under criminal investigation uh, in addition to counterintelligence. And that is the kind of thing that they were trying to tell Mr. Trump. Hey, your boy Mike Flynn there has maybe uh, a bit of a complicated backstory. But of course, so maybe he's... For Donald Trump, he's like, everyone around here has got a complicated backstory. It's how you get to be part of my team. So well, you know. that's right. They select for that, yeah. like you know. Uh, so this is this is why it was such a unique moment for everyone. Like, oh my God, he doesn't care that this guy is you know compromised in terms of criminal investigations. They're like, that's this whole crew. That's my family. That's yeah. my family for multiple generations. We're mobsters. Yeah. This is what We're we like do. That. Meet the meet the family. So you've got you know Mike Flynn was also the vice chair of the transition committee, which means that Flynn was also responsible for hiring all these people putting all these people in the administration in their jobs. Mm -hmm. That's a significant position to put someone who you've already been warned has, uh, has challenges. I want to leave you with one last quote, which I bet you you have not seen. I had to verify this. Actually, I had to call uh, Isaac Herzog's office directly to figure out if this was what he said. He denied saying it, but then I checked the transcript, checked the audio. He did say this. This is on election eve, a warning from Isaac Herzog, who was then the labor leader the opposition leader in the Israeli Knesset. He's speaking about Netanyahu and he says, recently there have been reports of Israeli leaders interfering in the elections through overseas proxies. I call on Netanyahu to instruct those close to him to make sure no damage is done. Direct quote, I've checked the transcripts, checked with his office, 100% what he said. He wouldn't in, uh, allow me to interview him, although I did have a conversation with him. This is really, really, really happened. Uh, it's underreported. But it certainly seems like in Israel, there was awareness, at least on election eve, that something was was, it, was happening. Something really so bad they were was talking happening. about they were talking about the American election or not not Israeli Knesset elections. They were talking about that there's American Israelis. Elections. Okay. The night before yep. the American elections, they were saying, we've heard Netanyahu's up to some no good here with his allies and through his proxies. He shouldn't do this because we've been through this before with the United States. It didn't work out well for us. So, you know, I think referring to Pollard. So, you know, a clear warning from inside that this was happening before any of us knew it was happening, because for us, it was still Trump, Russia, Trump, Russia, Trump, Russia. Um, yeah, I think that, you know, at a certain level, um, a lot of countries uh, with serious intelligence services have not the same but similar views of, you know, which country is doing what when. And I, I think, uh, you know, it would have been very uh, obvious to anyone with, uh, you know, good access to intelligence 
who was doing what and maybe even why. Mm -hmm. And I can see from an Israeli perspective, um, because, you know, our country is diverse. Um, you know, Britain is diverse. France is diverse. Um, you know, that Israel has different factions. And, and you know, it sounds like Mr. Herzog was making comment, like, if we go through with what's about to happen, mm -hmm there's going to be blowback and maybe he didn't think of trump being elected but merely israel being you know revealed to be you know in you know active hostile intelligence service land rather yeah. than just our complicated allies who you know i think people who know israel and its situation and love its people its culture and it's appreciate its its position in the world you you see it as a country that, that was born in in difficulty and complexity and just kind of went from there mm. and and that you know that they always have a, a, a difficult balance to strike however just because we have a difficult situation doesn't mean we can't make just net net mistakes mm. and you know attacking the united states's democracy uh, you know, that's going to be a huge blow to the U.S.-Israeli relationship. I hope, in, in the same way that I hope that other countries don't hold Donald Trump against the rest of us who want to see this to be a, a just, democratic, pluralistic country that is, that is a rock-solid leader, um, not just partner, but a leader for its allies, um, that they look at the, the Trump years... Uh, as a horrible aberration and know that that's not all of America. And I hope that we extend a lot of that to other nations, uh, you know, with good, plenty of good people uh, that, you know, do see a democratic future and who won't be a bunch of uh, mobsters, essentially. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. You'd hope the same thing is extended. And it's, you know, maybe this is a this misstep by Barr to try and reverse these Flynn allegations. We'll finally put a spotlight into this area of what was Israel's involvement with Russia during that period of time, because it's hard to look at the timeline and not say Israel was there. They were there. So was the UAE. So was MBS. So was that, you know, there's a lot of players involved. It's not just Lynn on one phone call to Kislyak. There's a lot of other things happening. Um, and mm -hmm. Now with Flynn sort of coming back into the spotlight, a new judge going to look at this. I wonder what he'll uh, have to find once they they look at the whole set of circumstances and whether this idea of Barr to try and you know backpedal in these charges just maybe a backfiring on him at the end of the day. Well, in public relations, they talk about the Streisand effect that when there's something uh, that you don't want called to public attention, if you have a lot of power, sometimes the harder you fight it, the more attention you draw to it. Um, and look at you with the Streisand reference, I like it. <laughs> um you know i've got a few original cast recordings around here what kind of <laughs> um I tell anyone. so so um you know william barr you know you look into it and you find out well uh you know wait a minute who made who tried to get Barr onto trump's team once Mueller was appointed was david friedman who is the current um ambassador to israel uh, who was uh, law partners with Mark Kasowitz and was a bankruptcy attorney, not only for Trump's casinos, but for a very interesting crew of uh, the last 20 years of Enron and uh, WorldCom and then Lehman Brothers. And then, you know, Lehman Brothers. I didn't know that. That's an interesting new one for me. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, he was, I mean, 
and all the com- greatest hits. And that conversation between Friedman and uh, and Barr happened in in Jerusalem, of all places. So Barr went oh, to Jerusalem it? somewhere, yeah, somewhere in 2016. He went to Jerusalem for, you know, as you as one does for a conversation with the ambassador before uh, before joining. The original ask was to join the legal team uh, to defend uh, to defend Trump in the in the impeachment or some other various forms of uh, lawsuits. And uh, Barr wasn't having any of that, but then he ended up being the AG. So here he is. Well, now. he was busy with uh, with Caterpillar working for Kirkland and Ellis, which has a lot of uh, Russian ties as a law firm, and ooh, things get complicated really quick. Things we wouldn't have known without them call, calling all of this attention to look at Flynn, look at Barr, look at all these people, and go, "Who are you? And what are you doing? And why are you doing it?" Exactly. And um, exactly. So here we are. You know, I, did, I had no idea we'd be back in Trump Russia land before the elections, and and here we are doing that again. Eric, thank you very much for a great time this evening. Thanks for joining me. It's been terrific. We have to do this again many, many times if you'll come. Thank you for having me, and let's do it again. All right, cheers. Have a good night. Thanks, Sev. Support Narrative's independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative. And check out our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe and download.